Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. It's the Randy Wang Show. All right. How's it going, everybody? Thanks so much for joining us on an episode of the Randy Wang Show. I know it's been a little while. I've been busy. But let's give some shout-outs to people that are watching this live at Facebook.com slash Randy Wang at 3 p.m. on Thursday, the 21st day of November 2019. Gerardo, Justin, Patty, Diana, Jean, Bella, my buddy Rob, who's probably doing this while playing Pokemon. Thanks so much for listening. We got so much to get into. First, let me explain where I've been. Well, I filled in for Dr. Drew on Tuesday, so that was three hours of broadcasting. Uh, I had to take off a bunch of days because I was going in and out of wine country to do a bunch of big interviews for my Wine Wednesday podcast. The next two Wednesdays, make sure you check out WineWednesdayPodcast.com because I got to interview some legends in the industry. That was a lot of fun. And also, sleep. Oh, I love sleep. Sleep is great, and sometimes I just need to take a big old nap after the morning drive, where you can hear me 6 to 10 weekdays, AM 790, KABC, except next week I'm going on vacation. Oh, it's so exciting. I'm going to Santa Fe for Thanksgiving. It's going to be great. Thank God I'm not going to San Francisco. Why? Because San Francisco is number one at number two. What am I talking about? I'm talking about poop, of course. San Francisco's poop problem is only getting worse. Feces complaints in San Francisco are soaring. The rental site RentHop examined public data from the city's website, including San Francisco 311 complaints, where people can report a wide range of problems, including poo-poo. According to its analysis, San Francisco has seen over 25,000 individual poop complaints this year from January to November. The most the city of San Francisco has ever seen. The city's Tenderloin neighborhood received the most complaints. When thinking of a number of different neighborhoods, Glen Park probably doesn't come to mind. This area, though, has seen a 205% increase in poop complaints from 2017 to 2018, and it's seeing another increase in 2019. One San Francisco resident says it's a serious public health concern. It's a public relations concern when you have a city that's driven by tourism and conventions and visitors from all over the world. It's frankly embarrassing. It's embarrassing even if you don't live in San Francisco. And we have a we have a problem in Los Angeles, but it is so much more highly concentrated because San Francisco is a very small city. It's very populated, but it's a very small physical area. So that poop is far concentrated, and you pretty much got to watch out for a minefield everywhere you go. The valley is pretty spread out. I mean, if you're just talking about L.A. as in Venice, yeah, it's probably as poopy. According to Red Top, the city's 311 system received 28,000. 315 faces complaints in 2018. That's up 35% from the previous year. So far this year, 
The city has seen 25,000 complaints, about 7% more than in 2018. One San Francisco native explains, My wife and I both work in the Civic Center area, and that's obviously the worst, but I can definitely notice it starting to creep out from the city center. It's so bad the city has its own poop patrol, where you pay people to wear hazmat suits and clean up human waste mostly in the city's Tenderloin neighborhood. It's like the Ghostbusters, except disgusting. And these people, by the way, are making $70,000 a year plus benefits. And when you have a government job in the state of California, those benefits are pretty darn sweet. The actual value of your job is about $150,000. So far this year, the neighborhoods received the most feces complaints, nearly 7,000 poops for every square mile. And are these actually getting cleaned up? Can the poop patrol get to all of these poops? 28,000 turds? I don't think so. And then, by the way, what happens when it rains? Because it rains a little more often in San Francisco than it does in Los Angeles, although we had some rain the other day. Oh, I'll tell you what happens. Well, when you don't clean up the streets and you allow the bums to take craps everywhere, well... If you don't clean up that crap immediately, not only is it gross, not only do you uh, not yeah, make sure you don't step in it and you could ruin a pair of shoes, not only you know could disease be born from that because poop attracts rats and rats bring disease, not only all of that, but when it rains, it's going to get that poop into the ocean. It's going to bypass the sewage treatment plants. It's not going to go into the sewer. It's going to go into the washes. It's going to go into the rivers, and it's going to go into the ocean. And we have seen the poop from homeless encampments in L.A. and San Francisco actually killing marine life. Business owners like Zoll Fages were surprised to learn the city's Glen Park neighborhood made a headliner on Renhop's list of the poopiest neighborhoods in San Francisco. Glen Park saw 205% increase, 61 complaints of poo-poo. He said, I personally, in 12 years, have been here and I never noticed human poop. Those numbers are alarming. And if you've been in the city before, many people have stumbled on these problems at least once before. What do they mean by stumble on these problems? They've stepped in poop. It's important to notice that these numbers both lump human and animal feces into one category. Although there's a major, major difference between the human poop on the streets and the dog poop on the streets. And do you know what that is? I'll tell you what that is. The difference between the human poop on the streets and the dog poop on the streets is you can actually get fined and get in trouble for not picking up your dog's poop. However, if you're a methed out bum with hot diarrhea, well, yeah. You could poop right on the street. It's totally fine. Nothing is going to happen to you, especially now with San Francisco's new DA, the product of murderers. I wish I was being hyperbolic. The new DA in San Francisco, who is supposed to be even more radical than George Gascon, who retired from San Francisco to try to run for DA down here and try to beat the Honorable Jackie Lazy. The new guy up there is the child of murderers and doesn't believe we should prosecute things like prostitution or drugs or pooping in the streets. Hence, 
28,000 turd reports. And those are the only ones that get reported. Because you know what? After calling 311 a handful of times, you realize, boy, this is just futile. This is just pointless. And some people just get the heck out of Dodge. Now, let's go on to something more locally. It's happening again, everybody. The IBEW, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the union that is uh, pretty much running the LADWP, they don't like Eric Garcetti. And they've been running ads, once again, that target our lovely mayor. Our lovely mayor, by the way, who solved the homeless problem to the point where he's uh, out there running a contest for who can design the prettiest streetlights in Los Angeles. He's got time for that, but uh, is he shoveling up the poop? No. Eric Garcetti has been tangling with the labor union, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 18, and its hard-nosed leader, Brian D'Arcy, ever since even before he was elected mayor. And now the parties are at odds again. On Friday morning, a pair of attack ads going after the mayor started appearing locally. They started showing up when I read news websites. The two 15-second pieces were paid for by the Working Californians Research Fund, a nonprofit largely funded by IBEW Local 18, which represents most of the DWP employees. Why would the DWP be going after Mayor Eric Garcetti? Gee, I wonder. You know, actually, let me see if I can pull this up because I do have a computer right here. I would love to play you these ads. They're pretty funny. Again, this is the IBEW buying time on local television. They did this six months ago, and they're doing it again, and they are spending money on advertising going after Eric Garcetti. Here's one of them. As fires shut off the lights and ravage L.A. communities, why is Eric Garcetti pushing new schemes that eliminate sources of energy that keep the lights on in homes and hospitals during emergencies? It's time our leaders pump the brakes on Eric Garcetti. All right, you sold me. I want to pump the brakes on Eric Garcetti. Let's hear another one. What are Eric Garcetti's priorities? New taxes on L.A. drivers when gas prices are already at record highs. Plans that would increase household utility bills by thousands. Our leaders should listen to working Angelinos who can't afford Garcetti's new taxes. So part of what the plan is there and part of what is pissing off the IBEW is Garcetti's uh, L.A. Green New Deal with the idea of getting us off of fossil fuels, getting us off of natural gas, and getting us to be 100% electric. Except most of the power plants are still powered by fossil fuels, so it doesn't really do anything. You know, there actually is, and we talked about this when I filled in for Dr. Drew, there is a statewide initiative and a ton of cities that are trying to get rid of their natural gas, get rid of gas facilities, make it so all new construction is all electric. And... One of the side effects out of that, because at at the end of it, it sounds okay. That sounds great. Except think about, especially this time of year, it's cold. You're turning your heat on. You probably want to do some braising or cooking in the oven. Or like me, I uh, simmered a pot of chili for five hours last night and it was damn delicious. But that all, all my appliances use gas. My heater is gas. And you know what? Even in a high usage month like November and December, my SoCal gas bill is usually like, I don't know, 20 bucks at the most, maybe $10 some months. Uh, I've seen what my LADWP bill is, and that's going to make it soar, go even further through the roof. Imagine if you're paying LADWP rates every time you use the oven, every time you use the heater. 
That's going to make things pretty darn expensive. But that's not what's pissing off the IBEW. See, if you convert to more solar and more wind and more green technology, well, that means that there's going to be a lot less IBEW employees making incredibly fat salaries that are approved, by the way, by the L.A. City Council and the mayor's office. So it's a little confusing here, but let's continue with this article from LAMag.com. One ad includes the scenes of mountains on fire and a supermarket in the midst of an apparent blackout as fires shut off the lights and ravage L.A. communities. Why is Eric Garcetti pushing new schemes that eliminate sources of energy that keep the lights on in homes and hospitals during emergencies? Well, there is that. There really is a good point in this IBEW ad because, um, and by the way, the IBEW taking no responsibility for the fact that their workers are part of the problem here. Not, not necessarily their workers, but their management is part of the problem here because the IBEW has workers, of course, at the LADWP. They got workers at SoCal Edison. They got workers at PG&E. And those companies, thanks to the lack of regulation by the CPUC in Sacramento, have deferred on maintenance for years and years and years and years. And now the answer is we have to shut off the power. But apparently some places can have backup power with things like natural gas. And yeah, we don't want to be 100% reliant on electric energy if we can't reliably keep the electricity on. So that's actually a fairly good point. The second one goes after Garcetti's priorities because Garcetti's priorities are new taxes on LA drivers. That's true. And plans that would increase household utility bills by thousands. That's true as well. Because if you don't have natural gas, you're paying everything through your electric bill. And that's going to cost you a heck of a lot more money. And it's not as reliable. Garcetti's office dismisses the accusations from these commercials. These DWP union super PAC ads are false, says a spokesperson for the mayor. DWP is investing in more clean and renewable power, including the nation's largest solar and energy storage plant just approved in Kern County and local solar projects. Throughout our transition to 100% renewable energy, reliability will remain the utility's top priority. The aim of the ads may be unclear to many viewers. IBEW Local 18 is not mentioned, and there's no specific call to action or demand outside of a reference that it's time to bump the brakes on Eric Garcetti. In reality, the campaign appears to be sparked by a mayoral environmental move. Bit of context, Garcetti has made environmentalism a hallmark of his administration. You know, except for the piles of poop that are uh, polluting us and the uh, lack of oversight on electrical companies that are starting the fires that are destroying the environment. Yeah, outside of that, he's doing a great job for the environment. This city is so much cleaner than when Eric Garcetti took office. It was a focal point of his state of the city speech in April, not homelessness. That same month, he announced L.A.'s Green New Deal, modeled after ALC's national proposal. Garcetti's version makes, wants to make the city carbon neutral by 2050, with components including recycling wastewater, which we're not doing now, making buildings emissions-free, and creating a zero-carbon electric grid. That all sounds great if it's feasible. There's questions if it is or not. But it would put a lot of IBEW workers out of work because you wouldn't need all the linemen. You wouldn't need Fred Pickle, the DWP ratepayer advocate. IBEW Local 18 is focused on another Garcetti environmental initiative. 
his proposal not to rebuild a trio of DWP power plants powered by natural gas, a fossil fuel. Electricity does not come out of thin air. There is a lot of electrical plants that are powered by natural gas. Apparently, there's something wrong with natural gas. In February, Garcetti announced his intention to phase out the coastal Scattergood, Haines, and Harbor plants by 2029, stating at the time, this is the beginning of the end of natural gas in Los Angeles. Michael Trujillo, a spokesperson for Working Californian, said that IBEW Local 18 supports green efforts, but says shutting the plants would mean a greater reliance on using lithium-ion batteries, which store solar power. And he maintains there will be difficulties when it comes to recycling them. Now, this is a fact that is very true and requires three-step thinking. And believe you me, I love the idea of solar. I love the idea of battery power. I, I think if we had the means and we've got a $21 billion surplus, let's put more solar panels on people's roofs. Let's get off of these major electrical grids. Let's do microgrids for neighborhoods. There's got to be ways that make that work in places where it's sunny 327 days out of the year. It definitely seems like that makes sense, at least ideologically. However, there are real questions about the long-term effects of building so many lithium-ion batteries, the true cost of things like Tesla, the true cost of these batteries, and the true environmental effects of them, because the batteries themselves are not recyclable, and the carbon footprint to make them sometimes can severely outweigh what you think that you're saving. So we've just got to be real about it. Again, I'm for it. But we got to know all the information. Like, I understand plastic bags were bad and tote bags are good. I see that everywhere. We passed laws for that. Well, did you know that it takes, if you're talking carbon footprint for what it takes to produce a plastic bag at a supermarket, it takes about 25,000 of those to produce the carbon footprint of one tote bag from Whole Foods. So... I mean, just do the math here. I understand the sentiment, but are we really doing anything? Or is it posturing? If we shut down these natural gas plants and we go to more big solar plants, think of all the lithium-ion batteries, which is another finite resource. I know there's parts of that with Tesla, and we have to mine them from other countries that have certain human rights issues, and we have to transport them all the way over here. Is it really lessening our carbon footprint? Because if it's not, then what exactly are we doing? If it is, that's great. But again, there are issues. Trujillo said, our issue is with this particular plan. It does not make us leaner, greener, or smarter. It takes our current energy plan and replaces it with a more toxic energy plan, and we oppose it. See, we're the environmentalists, not you, Eric Garcetti. You just want to look cool. Many reports have noted challenges in recycling the batteries, but for IBEW Local 18, the greater concern and the driving force in the ads is jobs. Trujillo says positions will be eliminated when the plants are depowered. This is going to mean the loss of middle-class, blue-collar jobs for sure. Even if plant workers are retrained, their salaries will shrivel. Well, that's not true. Have you ever heard of a situation where the city council or... The mayor gave a bad deal to the L.A. DWP. By the way, the last time I checked, the DWP and the IBEWs that work at the DWP, there are no middle class jobs. 
Those are high paying, incredibly well-defined benefit jobs. They are making a ton of money. And the city council rubber stamps it because the overages that you pay as the ratepayer for the DWP from their budget, well, they go back into the city's general fund, and they're not going to give up on that sweet deal. The mayor's office fiercely rejects the claim. Mayor Garcetti is committed to protecting our workers and the environment, and none of the DWP workers at the three gas power plants will lose employment during our transition to 100% renewable energy. Despite the DWP union super PAC ads, Garcetti remains committed to DWP reforms to reduce emissions, keep rates low, and protect and create jobs. What did you do, uh, Eric Garcetti, to make sure that the power lines were protected and didn't hold up to, you know, a tree branch that started the Getty fire that burned hundreds of acres that uh, destroyed the environment? Oh, nothing. Oh, you really don't care about the environment, do you? You just want to look cool. The dispute between the city's chief executive and one of the most powerful labor groups should not be a surprise. Frosty relationships between the Garcettis and the IBEW Local 18 goes all the way back to the 2013 election where the union's political arm poured millions of dollars into Wendy Gruel, who was his opponent. The Garcetti team managed to turn the issue against Gruel and DWP reform became a driving issue in the race. And then when Garcetti got elected, he didn't do anything about it. Our rates have gone up. DWP oversight's gone down. Voters ultimately sided with Garcetti. Shortly after his inauguration, when it came time for a new mayor to negotiate a contract with the union, the sides hammered out a deal that included no raises for three years. And then ha- what happened three years later? Incredibly high pay raises and pensions. The new ads indicate that whatever may have existed between them is long gone. The spots will run through the end of the week. Working Californians is spending in the mid-six figures for a campaign that includes commercials on local TV stations and placement on Facebook, Instagram, and other web platforms and sites. I really do hate that. Think about that. The IBEW, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, they're paying union dues. And what are those union dues going towards? nonsensical commercials that take shots at the mayor. Oh, boy, that, that, that's a little irritating. I, I thought the, the, the union dues are supposed to go to improving the lives of the union workers, but, well, I guess if they think their jobs are going away. The ads went up the day that the California Democratic Party opened its convention in Long Beach. They follow another series of ads criticizing the mayor that working Californians funded over the summer. That campaign also began the same day the Democrats met for a convention working Californians spent more than a million dollars on that effort. That's a lot of your ratepayer money. <laughs> Think about that. Your ratepayer money goes to the DWP, pays the IBEW workers, their union dues go to the IBEW Local 18, and then they spend that money. By the way, could you please spend that money on radio? Look, well, did they even say radio on here? This is the real outrage here. You know, they're doing all these campaigns, local TV stations. I've seen the spots on Channel 5. I've seen them on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, How about you spend a little money with AM790 KABC? How about support your local radio station with that dirty money? Come on. Garcetti's environmental initiatives have generally drawn praise from local green groups. Still, economics have not been entirely dismissed. Andre Ramez, who is a policy director of the group Pacoima Beautiful and part of the L.A. Clean Energy Coalition 
referenced the need to prepare for the future on multiple fronts. Now is the time to work together to ensure the transition to clean energy continues to provide for the health, welfare, and safety of our communities, and that it continues to produce living wages for our community members. If you really want to work on clean energy, I got a great idea, and I'm about to tie both stories together. Figure out how to power... If they could figure this out, they could figure it out. You know, we don't want to burn coal in this state. Could we figure out a situation where we could take a power plant and instead of using natural gas, we just um, use homeless poop like the 28,000 piles of poop that are in San Francisco? What if we shove it all that into a furnace? Could that create power? It might smell, but downtown L.A. and San Francisco already smell really bad. Come on. If we could recycle and burn the poop, we could save the planet. Moving on. Last night was the Democratic debate, and I watched it. Although, I want to be preface this. I watched it, kind of, because I was also simmering my chili, and I was also playing Nintendo Switch with the volume off. So I was really listening, and so I was there for the sound bites. For the most part, it was... uh, Fine. I mean, I I thought my boy Andrew Yang did really great, even though they only gave him six minutes to speak. The least speaking time out of anybody, and he's one of the most legitimate candidates up there. Tulsi Gabbard spoke for four minutes more than he did. But uh, there was one thing that came out in the Democratic debate that is not getting a whole lot of things talked about. Tom Steyer, who's the uh, guy from California, who has spent billions of dollars on initiatives in California, he got a few minutes to speak, and he started talking about some things that we know a little bit about in California, but the rest of the country doesn't know. And like the idea that uh, we all want you know, solar farms and uh, lithium-ion batteries to store the solar energy without thinking about that we have to recycle those solar batteries— Not a lot of people think about the intended effects of something that sounds really great. Oh, Karen wants to know what Switch game I'm playing. Uh, Currently, sometimes I'm playing Rig Fit Adventure, sometimes I'm playing Pokemon, and sometimes I'm playing Disgaea 4. I'm a nerd. Deal with it. Anyway, there's an article in Vox that spoke out at me because I'm surprised. I I didn't think I'd see anybody talking about this, but it stuck out at me because it's something that I've noticed living in Los Angeles and living in the state of California. Because Tom Steyer, and he, he has no chance of winning, but anytime you bring up an idea in a debate, it gets talked about. He wants to run on the platform not only of climate change, but of term limits and of direct democracy tom steyer isn't necessarily the breakout candidate of the 2020 democratic primaries but he tried to light a fire under his campaign wednesday night by proclaiming himself to be the man to support if you believe in term limits i'm the only person on this stage who will talk about term limits steyer declared promising that if he's elected you're going to have new and different people in charge While Steyer did not specify who he intends to term limit, it's safe to assume he was talking about members of Congress as the president is already limited to two terms. The problem with this proposal is that it's unconstitutional. As the Supreme Court explained in U.S. Term Limits versus Thornton in 95, which struck down an Arkansas state constitutional amendment that sought to term limit members of Congress, the fundamental principle of our representative democracy is that the people choose who shall govern them. 
If people want to elect a representative with a long tenure in office, that is the people's right. But even if congressional term limits were constitutional, they would still be a terrible idea. How do we know this? The state of California has term limits. The city of Los Angeles has term limits. And you can talk to a lot of people in local government and they'll tell you the point where this city and this state completely fell apart was when we imposed term limits and elected officials were no longer be able to be held responsible for the legislation that they were putting forward. A 2006 report from the National Conference of State Legislatures examined states that impose term limits on their state lawmakers, and it found that term limits tend to increase the influence of lobbyists and lead to a decline in civility that reduced legislators' willingness to compromise and engage in consensus building. Term-limited lawmakers have less time to get to know and trust one another, are less collegial and less likely to bond with their peers, particularly those from across the aisle, because it's not like you're going to know these people for decades. You're in for two terms and you're out. And then you got to move on to a different job. And that means that, well, you're not going to be have anybody there that has that much experience. So the lobbyists end up writing all the legislation. We got term limits in the L.A. City Council, and it's just a revolving door of musical chairs. The city councilman becomes the mayor, becomes the assemblyman, becomes the state senator, finds another job. And then, look, Ricardo Lara, insurance commissioner. Is he qualified to be insurance commissioner? No, but he was termed out of all those other jobs. They also aren't experienced enough to develop the knowledge and legislative skills they're needed to govern effectively. And they can put forth legislation that, well, by the time you realize how screwed you are, you can't hold that person accountable. Term-limited lawmakers can't spend enough time learning how legislature works or mastering difficult policy issues. They also can't rely on senior colleagues to give them this information. There's no ranking member. There's no senior member because everybody's in there for eight years or less. The problem forces term-limited legislators to rely on lobbyists for information. Lobbyists, unlike term-limited lawmakers, are able to spend years mastering the process and building institutional memory about recurring policy debates. Indeed, in a term-limited legislature, like California, such lobbyists may be the only place lawmakers can tune to for this information. That gives the lobbyists a much larger piece of influence over policy. And it's funny that Tom Steyer does say this because at the end of the day, Tom Steyer is a lobbyist. He is a guy that spends a bunch of his own money to influence California politics. Now, it might be in the name of climate change, but then he also dropped that he wants to take the power away from Congress and make it so individuals vote on everything. Direct democracy, which will not work which the founders of this country said would lead to insanity, which would destroy the civilization. We are a representative democracy. Gerardo says, how about no more lobbies? I 100% agree with that. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court has called that freedom of speech. I'd love to overturn Citizens United. I don't think that this the country should have lobbying and should have paid money in politics. I think we got to get all the money on, out of politics. In fact, that's one of the things that first attracted me to uh, be a Bernie bro in 2016 was nobody was talking about getting the money and the influence out of politics. And we're not just talking federally. We're talking locally. We're talking statewide. Why is the 
why why is the city of Los Angeles, which regulates LAX, trying to make it a living hell for you not to use Lyft and Uber? Well, because certain city councilmen like Paul Koretz are funded by the taxi lobby. Legislators are going to write bills that favor the people that donate to their campaigns. Chad Mays, the assemblyman out of Palm Springs, which is SoCal Edison area, wrote legislation to bail out PG&E in Northern California. Why did he do that? Because they donated to his campaign and they lobbied for him. Hell, the state of California wrote a anti-public smoking bill that turns out got watered down at the last second because of lobbying by the tobacco companies. Even in incredibly liberal, progressive California, the state legislators are owned by those lobbies. And part of the reason there is also term limits. Because, well, you don't have time to develop a relationship with your constituents because you're going to have to run for a different office in two terms. So you're going to have to rely on a lot of outside money to pay for your campaign to run for the next office and the next office and the next office. It's been a disaster in the state of California. In a term-limited legislature, a lobbyist caught in a lie only needs to wait a little while, and then everyone who remembers will be gone. There are no senior lawmakers who can warn their colleagues about how dishonest lobbyists can be and which ones should be avoided. As a result, short-term lobbying goals have come to outweigh the importance of long-term credibility. Of course, as the Supreme Court's opinion on term limits implies, the fact that term limits are not mandated does not mean that they cannot be imposed on individual lawmakers by the voters themselves. Because the actual term limits are, you're up for election in Congress every two years. And if we don't like your job, and we are actually paying attention, we're supposed to vote you out of office. Now, we deserve some responsibility here, too. The voter, and I'm not talking about the people who listen to this show. I'm not talking about the people who listen to AM790 KABC. I'm talking about the people who listen to Coast. Listen to that Christmas music. Do you think the average person that listens to Coast Christmas music knows who their city councilman is, who their assemblyman is, who their state senator is, who their congressman is, who their senators are? I think they know who the president is, but the rest of them, if you don't know that, hell, there are people that don't know who the mayor is. They still think it's Vera Ragosa. And if you're not engaged in paying attention to local politics, then you get 8% turnout and you get the incompetents that are in office today that are funded by the lobbies because, well, those are the only people paying attention. But we do need a complete overhaul of that system. We really do. All right, moving on. Uh, we're doing a little extended show today because I really only have opportunity to do this once a week this week. So I saw this story and... You know, sometimes Hollywood is gross. I mean, we know Harvey Weinstein and the things that happened at the Weinstein Company and before that Miramax were pretty darn disgusting. And we're not just talking about what he did to the potted plant and how he harassed women. But the fact that the producers, who are the money people behind movies, really have some disgusting influence in the projects that they fund. Because for a lot of people, the producers, movies are just investments and they want a big return on their product. And if you invest enough money, you have a say in certain aspects of the movie. For instance, and I always thought this was so gross. You remember that Salma Hayek movie, Frida, about Frida Collado? And it was Harvey Weinstein that said, you know what you need? You need a lesbian scene in this movie. We need some nudity in this movie. Let's go. Well, we know that the Weinsteins did that, but 
would you be surprised at all to know that stories like that have happened in movies for generations, and sometimes these stories come out, and it's just gross. Now, I understand certain types of nudity in films, and believe me, I'm not against nudity. I watch plenty of porno. But when it comes to movies, it's almost like the producers are so perverted, sometimes they just want to make porn because they think that's what's going to get asses in the seats. Now, I think this was truer 20, 30 years ago, even 10 years ago than it is now because everyone's got porn on their fingertips. And frankly, who's going to the movies to see some boobies? But this is pretty horrifying. Uh, you know Charlize Theron, the South African actress, one who was in Arrested Development and uh, been in a whole bunch of movies? Well, Charlize Theron has revealed that the financial backers, the producers of her Oscar-winning crime drama, Monster, wanted it to be a, quote, hot lesbian movie. Speaking to the Hollywood Roundtable on its producer roundtable, the actress said she had to step in to protect the vision of the director, Patty Jenkins, who went on to make Wonder Woman, to this day, the only really good DC movie. But I digress. I started producing on Monster, and it just happened that I felt the need to protect a first-time director who was taking a really huge risk. The character was very unusual. And, of course, you know, she played Aileen Wernos, who was a real-life prostitute serial killer who was executed in 2002 for killing male clients. And initially, when we went in to get our financing, it became very clear to me that there was this need for me to step in. Because I think the financiers actually thought they were basically paying for a hot lesbian romp with me and Christina Ricci. The actress said that she knew they were going to come up against things, and she was right when she started putting on weight for the role. If you remember, that's the movie where Charlize Theron put on weight and looked pretty gross because it was accurate to the film, and it was incredibly powerful, and she won a freaking Oscar for it. There were a lot of fights. As soon as I started gaining weight for the role, I had one of the financiers call me up. Actually, his wife saw me, and she was like, did you see Charlize? Have you seen what she looks like? The stunning South African famously looked almost unrecognizable in the Oscar-winning role, which she shaved her eyebrows, wore prosthetic teeth, and gained 30 pounds. And it was really great. Because she's an actress. And I got the call like, what's going on with that? This is back in the day when it took like three weeks for dailies to make it back here. And I got a call at 3 a.m. from the guy. He was like, what are you doing? You never smiled. You look so angry. You look horrible. That's the uh, character that uh, she's playing. The resistance, she said, went until the very last day. No distributor wanted to touch the film. And it wasn't until the day that she and Jenkins were about to sign a straight-to-video deal with Blockbuster that they got an 11th-hour call from distributor Bob Burney. Besides its numerous awards, the film went on to octuple its little $8 million budget, taking in more than $60 million because it was an incredibly great movie. But the people that financed it, the people that are just like Harvey Weinstein... Because there's plenty of them out there. They just don't have the big name, and they didn't do that thing to Lauren Savon's potted plant. I miss you, Lauren Savon. Anyway, those people, they didn't care about what the movie was going to be. They didn't care that uh, you know this director had a great vision that they were putting on this incredible role. They thought, well, 
We're going to get Charlize Theron to make out with Christina Ricci, and people are going to get boners. Hollywood is freaking gross. You want to make porn? Go make porn, but let movies be art without inserting it. If a movie demands to have some nudity in there, sometimes it can be understandable. But you notice a lot of movies are backing away from that because, well, just go watch porn if that's what you want. All right. I think that'll do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. I will maybe do a show on Monday, but I'm going out of town next week. Thanks so much for listening. You can listen to past episodes at KBC.com. Look at our podcast, The Randy Wang Show. Listen to me on The Morning Drive every day, 6 to 10 a.m. 790 KABC. The Morning Drive with Jillian Barbary, John Phillips, and me, Randy Wang, on AM 790 KABC, KABC.com. Please give a listen. Even if you know nothing about wine, check out the Wine Wednesday podcast at winewednesdaypodcast.com. I really appreciate it. You can subscribe to that. Hear about the meals and the wine that we drink and the incredible experiences that me and my best buddy Carrie have together. It's a great time. Let's give shout-outs to Richard, to Elo, to Keith, to Gilbert, to Robert, to Gabriel, Cap, Karen, Joseph, Chuck, Nami, Tina, Putin, Ward, Reed, Bella, Rob, Diane, Jean, Patty, Justin, Gerardo. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.